I've met a lot of spiritual teachers in my life, and there have been very few who have impressed me as much as Guru Dev Sri Sri Ravi Shankar. Now, the idea of the guru is something that seems to be an idea of the past. It seems to be that the ideas are more important than the person who is conveying the ideas. But there's also something very special about a person who is conveying the ideas from a gnosis, from a place of truth within their heart, where it's not just the words they are expressing, but it's the energy behind the words that make them really land. And this podcast is a perfect example of that. I ask him the four basic questions to humanity, and his answers are profound in their elegance and their simplicity and the energy with which he delivers them. I can't wait to share this podcast with legit guru, Gurudev Sri Sri Ravi Shankar. Before we get started, a word from our sponsor. First up, we have True Kava. Now, the first time I ever had kava was a trip I took to Fiji. And I was out on the beach in Fiji, and a Fijian man, he mixed up something in a bowl that looked like dirty water. And he was saying, kava, kava, and he gave it to me in a little coconut of a cup, and I drank it. And I wasn't expecting much, but what I felt was amazing. I felt this calm, kind of euphoric relaxation, and I got it. I understood why this was the traditional drink of Fiji and why this was involved in ceremonial use and also just for enjoyment. It feels really good. It's one of those herbs that you don't have to guess whether you took it or not. It's like, ah, did I have kava? You know that you took it. So when true kava came out with their formulas that are in ready to drink or in cans, it was amazing that I was able to access this without actually having to taste, which kava doesn't taste great normally, but they've done a really good job mixing it with juice and making it taste delicious and still giving you these effects of this really sacred plant of the South Pacific. So I really encourage you guys to try kava and especially if you're interested, try true kava. They make it really easy and pleasurable and you get all of the benefits of the experience of having Kava. So check it out. Go to truekava, T-R-U-K-A-V-A dot com. Enter the code AMP at checkout for 15% off. Once again, truekava.com, code word AMP at checkout for 15% off. And I'd love to hear what you think about your Kava experience. And lastly, we have on it, and I'm going to talk again about Alpha Brain Black Label. It took us 10 years to find a formula that was the black label version of Alpha Brain. What does black label mean? Well, that's just like the premium. That's the good shit. That's the top shelf shit. Now I love Alpha Brain. I'm actually on Alpha Brain regular right now and I feel sharp as fuck and I love it. But that's really actually only because I ran out of Alpha Brain black label. The reason that I like black label so much is it just has a couple different key ingredients. It has some nutritional mushrooms that actually help light up the brain. It also has different forms of choline and it has mucunipurians, which really taps into the dopamine system and really keeps me highly engaged, focused, and rewarded for the work that I'm doing. So Alpha Brain Black Label is just my absolute go-to. It's also really good as a mood enhancer. I just feel better when I'm taking it. And when my mood is better, I'm more productive and I'm able to be at my best. So if you guys haven't checked it out, 
please do. It is the shit. Also, the packaging is super sexy, so it's a great gift if you want to give it to somebody. Go to onnit.com slash Aubrey for 10% off everything at Onnit and also Alpha Brain Black Label. Once again, onnit.com slash Aubrey. And now an uninterrupted podcast with Guru Dev Shri Shri Ravi Shankar. So I'd just like to offer a little prayer, a little prayer that uh, these words and the energy behind these words, always more important than the words themselves, reach people in a way that brings them into greater peace and love, satisfaction, self-dignity, whatever they need at this time, may we be a vessel to offer them that warmth, that comfort, that clarity for the good of all. Lovely. Mm. <clears throat> All that beautiful prayer you said, they said it in one syllable, Om. Oh. Om means it's love, peace, mm. justice, clarity, serenity, beauty. <laughs> the creation sound of the divine. Yeah. Which carries the frequency of all of that. Correct. Then the question, can we say all of our words with the frequency of Om? Mm -hmm. Like, if we can do that, then every word changes from the meaning of the word, the symbol, to the actual truth that's behind it. So we could speak gibberish, but it would land in a different way. Yeah. You don't need to even speak. (laughs) Your being, your silence conveys. Yes, yes. That is one of the signatures that I've seen in people who I would look up to as a spiritual mentor, a spiritual master. It comes across in three things. One, an energy that you can feel. Two, a smile. (laughs) And three, a laughter. Yeah. Like if those three things are all, all in alignment, it really doesn't matter what they say. Yeah, yeah. Absolutely. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Because at the end, if you don't get to the place of laughter, you've no, gone, you've made a wrong turn. <laughs> it's nothing. It's useless. <laughs> <laughs> I was I was taught in uh there's some lineage teachings of the deep Jewish tradition. And they teach that paradox, the ability to hold paradox is one of the higher states of consciousness to be able to hold paradox. And that laughter is what allows us to hold paradox. And it's a natural outcome. When you hold a paradox, laughter is spontaneously there. Mm -hmm. You don't make an effort to laugh. (laughs) It just comes out. Yeah. And it, it, in that moment, it, it just reconciles the irreconcilable, right? Because paradox is irreconcilable. But when you laugh and you have that smile and the twinkle in your eyes like you have now, it's just, <laughs> oh, yes. Here we are. It indicates higher truths. Yeah, for sure. Well, there's a million things that we could talk about, of course. 
I wanted to go and try and stick to four basic questions, okay. and they're big questions. So okay. if we only make it to one of them, so be it. Okay. But the questions are, just to give us a map, who are we and what are we? Who and what are we? Where are we? Where are we? What is the nature of our world, of this reality, of the other realities we can touch? What is it that we really want? And what can we do? So those four questions. Okay. So we'll start with the first question. Yeah. Who are we? What are we? Well, this question is a million dollar question. Great. I would, uh, Ryan, do you have the suitcase? <laughs> Here we go. I, I wouldn't like to take it away from you. You should keep it. <laughs> you know, who am I is a question that itself is a sign of mature intellect. This question arising in us indicates we are maturing. Mm. Now, no need to be in a hurry to find the answer for it. Ah, yes. Because this very question is like a vehicle for you to go inward. And what I am not gets revealed by asking this question, who am I? Uh -huh. So one who knows the answer will never give you. <laughs> <laughs> you know why? Because they want you to have this vehicle to go inward. Mm -hmm. This question itself will remove a lot of cobwebs, cobwebs around our mind. Mm -hmm. It'll clear the path for us to f explore who we really are. Yes. And yes. once you find it, then there is no more question. You'll say, just a wow will come out of you. No, no other verbal jugglery that we, you know. Yeah. Yeah, struggle with. That's not there. Um, it seems that there's two paths that you could take to get there as you go in this inner exploration, which is a, a great virtuous path, as you said. One is to figure out what you are not. Well, I am not that. Isn't that, can you say that like neti neti, like I am not that? I don't know if I'm using the right language. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Not that. What am I? Well, I'm not that, well, not entirely that, maybe a little bit that, but I'm not that, Wh what am I in that way? So there's the, the, I am not this way, and then there's the other way, which is, wait, I am that. I am, I am you. I am all of that. Correct. So there's almost two paths that you can take. It's, actually, I would say that these two paths are extension of each other. Mm -hmm. So, First step is to say from being somebody to being nobody. Mm -hmm. And the second step is being nobody to being everybody. <laughs> you see, I am this, I am this, I am everything. Mm -hmm. But to explore that, the first step we have to take, that is say, I am not my body, not just my body. I am not just my emotions. I am not just my thoughts. You see, but something more than that. See, because these are all changing. Mm -hmm. See, our body has changed so much. If you take a picture of uh, you 10 years back, you would see so much change. Mm -hmm. and, and 10 years later, we will all look different. Right? So, there is some things that are changing and there is something that is not changing in us. Mm -hmm. 
because of which we are able to even identify the changes. So everything is changing totally, then you can't even uh, have a reference point. You can't even notice the change. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So there's something that is not changing. What is that something? That's where the whole secret lies. Mm -hmm. What is true is always true is an expression that I got from another teacher, mm. uh, Paul Selig. What is true is always true. And so what we're trying to find is what that part of us, which is true and always true. And that's the, that's the quest because an, another way to look at it is you can say, I am Aubrey, but really that Aubrey is a, that would mean I was static. Really what we should say is I am Aubrey Ng. You are Guru Dev Ng as you evolve into the Guru Dev process of evolution, as I evolve into the Aubrey process of evolution. So that isn't entirely true because it's changing, but what, it, what we are is, is a process, an, an evolution of self. See, I, I'll can, I can give you another uh, example. See, it's the same Mississippi River, very old river, from millions of years the river is flowing. Mm -hmm. But every moment the water is new in it. It's not old water. So it's both. Mm -hmm. It's an ancient river, but yet it is very new water, new river. Mm -hmm. For some time, for people, sometimes it's very confusing. How can something be both old and new? <laughs> <laughs> and so you laugh. <laughs> yes. You see? Yes. The so sun is very old, but the uh, warmth that you are getting today, the sun rays today is very new. Mm -hmm. it can't, you can't have uh, a stale sun rays. You can't bathe in a stale sun. Mm. So, this is ever new and yet very ancient. Mm -hmm. Similarly, there is something in us which is not changing at all. And there is many things in us that keeps changing. The two aspects in us. One that doesn't change, the Aubrey that doesn't change, and there is another Aubrey keeps changing every moment. Mm. Your ideas change, your emotions change, your, you know. Ancient people have said it in another beautiful manner that they said that there are two birds sitting on a tree. One is enjoying the fruit, the other is just witnessing it. <laughs> so those two yes. birds are inside you, that's Aubrey, one Aubrey. Yeah. Now, there's an idea that I've been very fond of thinking, which is includes all of this that we're talking, but also makes the space for us having a unique soul. So yes, we are nobody and everybody, but we're also uniquely ourself, our own name in an evolutionary process that extends through this life and perhaps into other lives. And we may have similar or different ideas of reincarnation, but we are like a strand connected to the divine, which is everything and nothing. So we're a strand that connects there, but that strand is unique. And we have the unique opportunity yeah. to express the divine in our own uniqueness. Absolutely, absolutely. That's it. <laughs> everything is unique here. Mm -hmm. Not just Aubrey not just, uh, you know, me, not just someone else. 
Even every flower that blooms here is very unique. Yeah. You see? It's like our thumb impression, fingerprints. It's very unique, see? No one can open your iPad without uh, <laughs> yeah. yours, you know? So, uniqueness is there, yet there is something that is the same in all. Yeah. Common. Yeah. In the world today, there's energy ideas that try to reduce people. And actually, we do it in our own mind as well. We reduce people to a function, almost like in a prison system. People don't have a name, they have a number. And it seems like there's an energy in the world that wants to control everybody by giving them a number, reducing them to a function. And to me, that feels like a, a violation of our unique spiritual actualization, gifts, potential, who we really are, to try and reduce us to something that is like a, a machine when we're not. We're an emanation of the divine. <laughs> you know, you know, Aubrey, what I say? Some people may try this, but it will never happen. <laughs> it cannot succeed. Yeah. Because nature has made us so unique. And, uh, you know, any individual trying to change that or make us into a machine may appear to work for some time, but not in the long run. Right. I don't believe that it, right. they will succeed in doing so. <laughs> I love not only that you said that, but I love how you said that. Because your confidence means a lot. It's because what I feel from you is just a confidence in, in the God that is expressed through us. And a, this smile like, yes, try to defeat God. Good luck. <laughs> Good luck in your efforts to defeat God. You know, I often say God only should have to make uh, make it obvious that he's in control. <laughs> <laughs> So let's move. Let's move to the second question. The second question is, okay, we understand a little bit. And of course, this is a long inquiry to understand who we are, what we are, and a beautiful inquiry we should all take. Now, but where are we? What is this world filled with other people, filled with other beings, filled with where did it come from? Is there an origin story? Is what is the what is what is the place, and maybe even what is the story that we can tell I'm about where we are? I'm happy you are holding on to this question. You know, as a three-year-old boy, you must have asked this question. What is this? Yeah. Where do the clouds go? You know, every child comes up with the spirit of inquiry. Mm. What is all this? And this is the mother of scientific innovation. Mm -hmm. You see? What is this is science. Who am I is spirituality. <laughs> And they both go together, mm -hmm. knowing about oneself and knowing about the world around us. They're complementary. Unfortunately, people have misunderstood this whole thing. They think either or this. Either one of them you, you get into, you know. Right. We need to know about this world. That is the whole path of scientific discovery. Mm -hmm. How many stars are there? How many planets are there? You know, ancient civilization, they did do this. You know, they had this spirit of inquiry. Mm -hmm. and thousands of years ago, they already predicted Jupiter has 12 moons <laughs> without any 
um, Hubble telescopes, you see. How did they do that? Yeah, uh, that is through intuitive awareness. Uh-huh. Go within and get the knowledge. Uh-huh. Which is actually something that science science now says that you can't do. But what you're saying is there's a broader awareness of scientific inquiry in which you can actually go inside yes, yes, to find yes. the truth. Now science, is, uh, science has started to recognize in the cognitive aspects of the brain, mm. of our mind, you know. Other than the five senses, we can even cognize many things that is beyond the five senses. Yeah. And um, it's, we are in such a a beautiful and fortunate era where science is uh, shaking hands with the ancient science of wisdom. I hope they stop shaking hands and hug and kiss each other and make love <laughs> because we need more. We need more union uh, it's, between it's them. Yeah. <laughs> it's a beginning. It's a beginning. First to shake hands. First to shake hands. <laughs> uh, is... They're not that bold enough to hug <laughs> <Yeah>. still. <laughs> a little bit hesitation is there, but we have come a long way. I'm uh-huh. talking about, you know, 40 years back when I used to talk about meditation, spirituality, yoga. People thought it it's not for common man. It's not for mainstream. It was somebody out there must be doing all these things. But today, I tell you, 2.5 billion people around the world are practicing meditation, yoga. Wow. That's a big number. Almost big number. one third of the world's population. And same with food habits, people have recognized it's you need to eat healthy food. And then environment, I've been talking for 40 years, I said, we need to plant trees, we need to be more conscious about the environment. You know, 40 years back when I was talking about this, people thought it's weird. Mm-hmm. But today, almost every country has a ministry for environment. Mm-hmm. They have departed... 40 years back, it was not there. Mm-hmm. Uh, Progress. Know, yeah, we need to sustain our planet. And so where we are, we need to honor this planet. You know, We have to take care of the soil, we have to take care of the water, we have to take care of the air. These are the things that we pollute. You know, We can't leave the planet in a, a broken down condition for the coming generation. Mm. In many of the traditions that I study with in Peru, the Quechua traditions, they have an, what they would call an animistic belief about the environment. So they believe that the trees have a spirit and they can talk to the spirit of the trees, that the waters have a spirit. Yeah. You know, Sachamama, Wairamama, you know, Pachamama, all of the different elements and aspects of nature and then the entire earth herself is a spirit that they can communicate with. Is that the same in, in your culture yes, and tradition? Yes, yes, yes. In yeah. India, same thing. Mm. In India, trees do have, there are angels in Eve for each trees. <laughs> and the trees are, have life. And even among the trees, there are uh, friendly trees or enemical trees. <laughs> you know, certain trees are very friendly uh-huh. and they plant those trees together. Yeah. So, um, plant kingdom is full of life. There's consciousness there. Yeah. And similarly, water also. Mm-hmm. I don't know whether you are aware of uh, this fact that a gentleman, in uh, a scientist in Japan, has done research on water and see how water molecules have feelings. 
mm-hmm. and they can absorb the feelings. So, water has life. Mm-hmm. In India, we do believe water uh, rivers are holy. Yeah, and and they have spirit. Yeah, they have life. This is something you also find in in many cultures who have yeah, arrived yeah. at the same conclusion that water can hold memory and it, and it stores information and transmits frequency just like it would transmit electricity if can you it, like it, you don't it. want to drop your hair dryer in your bathtub it's a very big problem <laughs> because obviously it it conducts electricity can it conducts the frequency the memory of the frequency of what you're feeling or what the yeah, area yeah, is feeling yeah. yeah it's there i have seen uh, aboriginal uh, traditions around the world if you go to canada the native americans in uh, canada or you see the native people the maoris in new zealand or in australia mm-hmm. in india there is such a striking similarity between all these cultures mm-hmm. so one can easily conclude at some point of time when they had no planes or no um, big base of transportation still there was some sort of uh, unison in the cultures around the world yeah is there an origin story for the cosmos for the earth that i think i know there's a lot of mythology in the hindu tradition and there's a lot of stories and i think stories are perhaps the best way to understand things you don't make the stories necessarily literal but the stories point to the truth correct, about correct. what how this cosmos came about do you have are there stories like that that oh yeah there are yeah. plenty of stories on that but whenever people ask me an origin of something i only ask one thing can you please tell me which is the beginning point of a tennis ball <laughs> uh, then no. i'll answer that question <laughs> that's my condition i always put that uh-huh. tell me what is the beginning point of a circle <sighs> I would say if I had to answer that if I was taking your inquiry seriously I would say that it begins with an idea in the imagination of a consciousness See a circle every point is a beginning and every point is an end Uh-huh So virtually there is no beginning there is no end Mhm You can't say tennis ball begins here and it ends there. Right. This is spherical thinking. You know, we are used to thinking here linearly. So we want everything to begin somewhere, end somewhere. Mhm. But there is another way of thinking, this spherical thinking. Mhm. The oriental philosophy always uh, looked into this. Mm-hmm. They said beginningless and endless. Mhm. Yeah. So it's all spherical. See you look at the universe, it's all spherical. Mm-hmm. So you don't need to look for when it began. <laughs> you know, if you right. go to Hawaii and you see there a coconut tree there and say so where did the first coconut or came about, you know, the middle of nowhere and you have coconut trees there. Did it come from Kerala? Did it come from Indonesia or from California? You know, you can go on these uh, these hypotheses. which may not be true see mm-hmm. why not the nature put everything simultaneously in all the places mm. it's possibility 
सो दिस स्फेरिकल थिंकिंग इज समथिंग वी नीड टू लू अनदर एग्जाम्पल लाइक द गिव सो यू कीप अ बीकर ऑफ वॉटर एंड यू पुट अ पेन दे द पेन अपियर्स टू है बेंट राइट so when this when did this optical illusion began when you observed it if you don't observe still it is there <laughs> right so it is not something which has began an illusion is not something which had a beginning mm-hmm. it is an appearance yeah appearance yeah. don't have a birth This is what I'm saying. I do, and it 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 breaks the way that we think about everything because we thought about everything in our life linearly, Linear. <laughs> and you're inviting us into a mystical perspective in which we say, "This is what is." Yeah. And this question of start and end is just the way that our brain is used to thinking about really? things. But Can here is absolutely. here is an invitation to look at things differently and just say, "Ah, this is what is." today fortunately the quantum physics the quantum scientists have uh, physicists have recognized this fact you know there is what is called spherical thinking that energy uh, is there as energy you don't need to say the energy originated from here because it has neither beginning nor end it can neither be created nor be destroyed mm mm-hmm. it is just there mm-hmm. because i love stories and because i love myths and mythology and i love understanding the true meaning behind it is there a particular myth or a story from your culture that illustrates something interesting or something that you enjoy sharing uh just personally oh, about is, about the cosmos just any story that oh, comes to mind oh there is plenty of them plenty of them so many stories i don't know which one i should just take it like that okay um the the lord vishnu the creator the maintainer of the universe he is resting and uh, from the wax of his ears came two demons and uh, he was fighting with them for thousands of years like he couldn't win over them then he uh, asked for help from the mother divine kali mother divine uh, yeah so and she came and she relieved him from, uh, she finished these two demons and relieved him from that warren um the, the victory came to him mm. this is a story now the wax the two demons you should know this name of them they are madhu and kaitab that means uh, craving and aversion <laughs> so your craving and aversion starts from your hearing and if you keep fighting with them you can never win over <laughs> but what can win over is a higher power when more energy comes into you in the awakening the power of awakening comes within you then cravings just drop aversions just drop out of you mm. then you will know like this there are many many stories you know yeah and then this and 
the two demons were uh, slain inside the water. Now, water means love. Water means love. Love. So, only with love, you can transcend both craving and aversion. Mm. So, within the water, these two demons were destroyed. Mm. But they couldn't be destroyed in the air. <laughs> yeah, you couldn't destroy them in the mind. You had to destroy them in the heart. In the heart. So, cravings and aversions are rid, are, are, you know, Mm. Yeah. What was the role of the what was the role of the mother divine in that myth? Mother divine with the energy she took the both the awakening energy wisdom knowledge. Uh-huh. And so when knowledge uh, came up then the craving and aversion both with love. Yeah. Inside love they could be dissolved. Yeah. That's a great story. There's so much wisdom in so many stories, but if we don't stay patiently and and understand them and understand that water means love and understand what this is, we won't get the real meaning behind them. Correct. See, apaha is a word that in Sanskrit that connotes both water and love. So, if some dear friend you call apta, apta means my dear friend. Mm. So, apaha means water. <laughs> Yeah. So, in a friendly manner uh, or in the space of love, you can get over your cravings, your aversions, and your hatred, and all that negative feelings that you keep fighting with. Uh-huh. So, it, this whole story here uh, indicates don't fight with yourself, but just elevate yourself. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> you know? Bring more love Bring into, more love. into your life. Yeah. When we're talking about cravings and aversions, this goes to my next question, which is an exploration of what is it that we really want? Because we'll chase our thrills, our riches, our pleasures, and we'll avoid our pains, our discomforts, and we'll chase validations. But it's not what we really want. If I go into a deeper inquiry, like, what do I really want? So when you're you know, questioned with that inquiry about what people, what it is that people really want. What do we really want? Well, see, you're asking a very general question. (laughs) (laughs) It, you know, it depends on what stage of uh, evolution you are in. Uh If you ask a child what you want, they said, I want a candy. (laughs) I want chocolate. (laughs) Yeah, that's the one then. And you ask a teenager, what do you want? Oh, I want a friend, boyfriend or girlfriend, whatever, you know. And you ask someone a little older, then I want a job. See, our wants, our chase for something goes on till you really realize, uh, you really come to this understanding. I'm much bigger than all these roles I'm playing. Mm. Then you start asking, who am I? What is the purpose of my life? Where am I going? Is this the world? Is just, this is it? Is there anything more? These sort of, till you reach this inquiry, and once you get this, um, get to that stage, I tell you, rest becomes very easy. Your Mm. seeking begins, the seeking begins, then it's not too far away to find yourself. 
that's a beautiful it's a beautiful way to look at it and also there's another inquiry that i want to dig a little deeper in because the child may think that it wants chocolate but what it wants more what he or she wants more is love for sure because if you deny a child love even as much chocolate as you give it it will not be a happy child yeah it yeah. will not be satisfied no, this love is the basic thing yeah you see uh, and love always takes pride in the old see our mind runs for something new a mm. heart yearns for something old mm. you take pride in an old friend <laughs> and you take pride in a new computer <laughs> it's not the other way around you see uh-huh. you don't say i have an old computer and i have a new friend <laughs> that's not anybody's Uh, yeah, it's true. Wanting that, so nature of love is uh, to look for the old, that bonding, and I tell you, it is always there. And most of the conflict in the world today is between a mind and heart. Mm-hmm. While the mind wants latest thing, gadgets, something new, something new, the heart always longs for. Uh, to be connected as you said see you had the beautiful mandala here you are interested in the ancient uh, peru peruvian you know mm-hmm. mythology explore the meanings of it this interest in humanity is that of the heart mm-hmm. and in life you need both science and spirituality yeah and love is always there but it is more than seeking i would say in giving you will find it more it's the, almost the same it's fit. my understanding of love is the moment you give it it opens your heart to love and the receiving is automatic as you give you receive because an open heart is a bilateral gate love this is what many, many people don't understand they right. keep craving for others attention and love but i tell them you see look you start giving and there is there is a joy in getting no doubt but there is a greater joy in giving mm-hmm. the joy that we get in getting is an infant joy <laughs> but the joy in giving is a grandfather's joy <laughs> grandmother's joy mm-hmm. you know yeah and that that really indicates love yeah yeah and demand destroys love if we demand love then we are destroying love mm because then there's a compulsion from somebody else to give it to you and then the compulsion means that they're not freely giving it of their own no, free will no even if they're giving when the more you when you start demanding uh, then your spoon is dirty you can't <laughs> have the soup that you want to have yeah you know in my i have a incredible relationship with my wife Vilana she's over there watching and one thing that we've recognized is if we get into a disagreement or a conflict which is very rare you know we have a a really beautiful relationship where that doesn't happen often but the the resolution is if either one of us and both of us can find anything to love even if it's our cats If one of our cats come over when we're having a disagreement and we love the cat then our heart opens back up 
and then it's easy to love each other again. <laughs> it's like the moment we open to love specifically, we can open to love universally, which includes returning love back to our own field. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I would go one step ahead and say, you know, arguments and fights are part of love. <laughs> <laughs> it should be considered as part of love. Yeah. You know? Like you have sometimes you put Tabasco in your... <laughs> it's a little spice. So it's a little spicy and that makes life more interesting. Yeah. <laughs> It makes life more interesting. You can't only drink Tabasco, like you drink water, <laughs> yeah, but a course. little bit, yeah. yeah. A little bit of it is good. So, in, you know, in life, we must see love is not just an emotion. <laughs> it's our very being. <laughs> when it is our very nature, you can never get rid of it. So that I see that not one being on the planet is there without love. Mm. Only that gets shrouded. Uh, it gets covered. Mm -hmm. It's covered by stress and misunderstanding and small-mindedness, lack of vision. All these things come as a barrier. Yeah. See, even in the worst criminal, you will see that there is a child hiding inside that person, waiting to be unveiled. And, uh, you know, love is our very nature. It's not just an emotion that we... And if there is a disagreement between two persons, I would say you take turns. Don't <laughs> do it on the same day. Between <laughs> <laughs> the husband or one give turn for one to flare up and you keep down <laughs> and next day you can take your turn <laughs> yeah for sure it's uh this understanding that our very nature is love is not a new understanding for me it's something that many teachers have taught and that i believe mm. but when i hear something and and you express it in a way where i feel the truth of it and then what happens in me is I, the tears often come as a, as a way to wash away my own disbelief in all the ways that I'd actually, even though I thought I believed it, I didn't really believe it. And then truth comes and it's like, I have to wash away this lens of perception that has been perceiving the world differently. And uh, No, no, no. It's a sign of love. Yeah. When heart opens, tears flow. <laughs> Yeah. And doubts disappear. Mm -hmm. The ancient uh, rishis of India have said, when you, um, when when you encounter the truth, you know the doubts disappear, mm -hmm. and the heart opens, tears flow. These are all part of the process. Yeah. So there is, uh, there is no dirt to wash it away. <laughs> you are already pure. <laughs> <laughs> yes, indeed. Yes, indeed. The, the, the fourth question is, and then we'll explore some different other areas, but understanding all of this, understanding all of this, the world is in an interesting time right now. What can we do to help the world right now? 
I wish this question comes up in every mind. At least half the population, when they get this, what can we do? Will will be out of the selfish shell that we uh, reel in, and not and be sen- insensitive to others around us. You know, what can we do? This question must arise. As I said, the first question should arise: Who am I? Mm-hmm. This is very important. This is uh, the very beginning of our community life. What we can do to make life better? How we can save the planet? You know, mm-hmm. how we can contribute to the growth of uh, spiritual awareness, awakening pe- people around us. These questions may have many, many answers. Mm. I would say the first is we have to envision, think of a violence-free and stress-free society. If I look back and see forty years back, what was America and what it is today, it is appalling. So mm-hmm. many people are committing suicide. Mm-hmm. This year, four hundred medical professional doctors have committed suicide. And every day, twenty-seven veterans are committing suicide. I mean, this was never heard of before. Mm-hmm. People who are supposed to save others' life are taking away their own life. Mm-hmm. Means there is a serious need for spiritual upliftment, mm-hmm. our wisdom, knowledge. You know, when our prana, the chi energy, shrinks, that is when we want to get out of the body. Mm. Like you, if your jacket, if this jacket is too tight, what is your natural tendency? Take it off. I want to take it off. So when our subtle body, our subtle mind shrinks, our energy shrinks, then you feel depressed, and it shrinks more. You feel suicidal. Mm-hmm. Now, what to do to make it come to its normal position? Breathing exercise. Yes. Yes. See, when you do breathing exercise, what happens? Your energy expands, and you might have noticed whenever you are happy, what is the sensation you get? Not that of shrinking. Expansion, yeah. Expansion. Something in you is expanding. Hmm. Right, and can you keep it expanded? I tell you, yes, you can. Hmm. Meditation and breathing, the Sudarshan Kriya, is such a powerful technique, breathing technique that we. Teach the sky technique. It helps one to expand one's energy, mm. and then this tendency to uh, commit harm to oneself or to others disappear. Yeah, you know, today what is happening is there is so much of aggression in the society. You saw just uh, three days back. Some a gentleman comes in the grocery store and shoots down ten people, and we don't want to leave such a world to our coming generation. Nor do we want to live in such a world sure. where we live with such insecurity. You know, you feel so insecure to send the kids to the school. Yeah, feel so insecure to go to grocery store. You feel insecure to walk in the streets. This is not the world that we should leave behind. Right. We all must focus in creating a violence-free world. For that, we need to create a stress-free world. 
at least we should know how to get rid of stress when it comes on to mm-hmm. you. Mm-hmm. See, today, uh, stress is a common thing. It, stress is competing with God. It's become omnipresent. <laughs> you see everywhere. Yeah, yeah. So, uh, we had to cut it to the size. You know, we, had, we can't have the population go in uh, such depression. Yeah, we can't keep. We can't keep. We can't continue on this. Continue path. like this. The I mentioned that I you know I study with uh, Quechua teachers from Peru, and one of my teachers, Maestro Orlando, in the Quechua tradition, he says the number one condition he is helping people with is stress. All of the people that he sees from the West, it's stress. It's the number one Brilliant. thing that is that he notices that people feel, Brilliant. and. When you mentioned also breathing, you know, breathing is breathing practices are a big part of my life as well. And so many times in the deeper breathing, when you're really bringing in a lot of prana, tears come. And it is in your understanding of tears as you expressed it, it is my heart opening. Heart opening. It's the heart opening. And then as the heart opens and I realize myself in the expanded state, then the tears, the tears flow. Yes, bro. And when you're very happy, also tears come. Yeah. Yeah, the heart, again, it's the expansion process. So, what we need to look at, uh, things that we need to do is to create a stress-free, violence-free society, disease-free body. And the third is um, inhibition-free intellect. Mm. We have all sorts of inhibition about Religion, race, gender, gender, you know, mm-hmm. and uh, all that age and so- social status, all these type of barriers we create in our mind between us and the others, that should be done away with. Mm. <laughs> so I say, um, the whole world is one family, one mm-hmm. human family. Mm-hmm. And if we keep that as a goal, in societal life and help others in whatever manner, however we can, uh, to uplift the spirit, you see. Mm-hmm. We'll be doing the right thing, I, I, I suppose, I guess. Mm. You know, because we want to give a better world to the coming generation. Yeah. Isn't it? Yeah. Do you feel that there are forces people, energy that is trying to do the opposite. When you look out at the world, because obviously this is this is something that just makes sense. It makes sense. But and I wonder if it's just ignorance, and I don't know the answer to this question. If it's just ignorance, people don't know any better, they're confused, or whether there are certain forces or people who are actively working against peace and happiness and freedom and you know, the release of inhibition of the mind. Do you see the world in a way that there's an opposing force or is there just general ignorance? I would say a little bit of both. Mm-hmm. There are forces who are very selfish who, and that again of uh, ignorance. You can't say right. anybody does any harm to others and they are knowledgeable. They are not. Yeah, yeah, it's true. It's ignorance, I would say, actually is the only cause. On the other side, you can say, we have not educated our population how to handle the mind. 
Yeah. They're not educated. We have taught them dental hygiene, but not mental hygiene. <laughs> how to keep your mind free from inhibition. How to keep, uh, keep your spirit high. We have not learned about it. No techniques were taught. Sermons were given. Oh, love thy neighbor, help everybody. And we have done so much sermons from all traditions we have heard. But nothing concrete, practical for people to do. <laughs> right. And that's how people really learn. Yeah. You do it. Yeah. Yeah. This is what is needed, you know. Education in mental health. Or even mental health itself is a sort of taboo. I would say education in well-being. Mm -hmm. To learn about the seven layers of our existence. About our body, a little bit about our body, our breath, our mind, our intellect, our memory, our ego. And something that transcends our ego, the self. A little bit knowledge about all these seven layers of our existence can just make our life so much better. So mm -hmm. much better, I tell you. Mm -hmm. Yeah. You come from a culture that has had this wisdom for thousands of years. In America, for example, we were founded by Protestants and very strictly religious, you know, who wanted to escape England and, and form their own religion. And so we don't have a, a rich tradition or history in the, in the self-exploration of the mind. We were told to believe everything that somebody else wrote 2,000 years ago, or in that case, 1,600 years ago or whatever. But in your culture, this wisdom has been around. And in many other cultures, the wisdom has been there and in the Native American traditions. But what is it what is it that is that is still maybe so attractive about the new ideas of culture that have people forgetting you, you, the old ideas? You see, the though things have been in different cultures, it's not necessary that people have adopted it or paid attention to it. You see? See, I see every part of this planet has its own uniqueness. Mm-hmm. And nature has bestowed science. You know, so much scientific discovery has come up in America. Like nowhere else. Mm -hmm. And it has benefited the whole world. Mm -hmm. Similarly, ancient wisdom has always uh, come from the East. Mm -hmm. And that can benefit the whole world. Yoga's origin was no doubt in India. But till recently, not everybody was doing yoga, you know. Mm -hmm. Though its origins were there, it was in books, hardly people were doing. <laughs> Only in recent times, the people have recognized and realized it's important to do that. Yeah. So, otherwise you take it for granted. You know, you have something at home, you just say, okay, yeah, my grandfather did it and that's okay. You know, I don't <laughs> need to do that. <laughs> that type of mindset comes. Yeah. I have a question here. See, when you can accept food from every part of the world, you accept technology from every part of the world. Doesn't matter where uh, technology for cars, I've done if it's a car from Japan, we accept it. If it's from Germany, we take it, right? Mm -hmm. Similarly, Danish cookies. World <laughs> Delicious. And Swiss chocolates. Delicious. People love it. Yes. You see, when you can accept uh, food from everywhere, music from everywhere, Beethoven is from Germany, but the whole world enjoys Beethoven's uh, mm -hmm. music. 
Sitar is from India. Pandit Ravi Shankar, mind same name. Yeah. <laughs> the sitar is uh, popular everywhere in the world. Yeah. So, why not we accept wisdom also? Why do we shy from wisdom? Right. See, just, just by eating Danish cookies, you will not become um, Scandinavian. <laughs> You'll continue to be American. Mm -hmm. In the same way, whatever faith, religion you follow, doesn't matter. But you can benefit from all the wisdom in the world and own it, I say. Mm. Don't think that, oh, Buddha was from India and Buddhism is only for India. No. Mm. Wisdom is universal. Jesus was from Jerusalem. That doesn't mean it's only for Jerusalem. You know, right. from, for Israel, the whole world has accepted uh, his teaching. Similarly, Lord Krishna was from India, no doubt, but the Bhagavad Gita, Einstein has recognized Gita as one of the life-changing texts that he, he read that, you know. Mm -hmm. so for Einstein, Gita was a very uh, big turning point in his life. Mm -hmm. uh, Steve Jobs has benefited from the Vedanta philosophy. So, the world over people, wise people, they always own all the wisdom. Yeah. They don't see it, it is my culture or someone else's culture. It's all ours. We have one planet Earth. And all the diversity, cultures, all belong to us. Yeah. This ownership can make us a global citizen. Mm -hmm. I cannot agree with you more. I think it's so important to be able to share, as you said, not just food or music or clothes or technology, but to share the wisdom and the medicine yes. and people will actually get angry at, though is the problem is they'll get angry if you're experiencing a culture's medicine that's not your own for example i i really appreciate dance and the ecstatic expression of dance the ability to dance to music to drums and feel that well that's in many different cultures but so and so in a in a certain gathering we painted our own bodies and faces however we wanted to inspiration from the elements yeah. didn't copy anybody we painted our faces and we danced and people were saying you can't do that you're an american you can't paint your face and dance and i said what do you mean this is a human right it's a human right to paint your body and dance to the drums and pray to the elements like if we make that only for this culture or that culture then we're lost because the world needs all of the medicine of the whole world Correct. and all of the practices of the whole world. If yoga was only available for people in India, we're fucked. It's, it's, it's a big problem. Yeah, yeah. yeah that, that, that's exactly. We must own the whole planet. Mm. And honor all of the cultures and have yeah. reverence from whence they came yeah. and gratitude. Yeah. You know, gratitude is is actually the key aspect. Like, thank you yes. for holding this tradition. Thank you for showing us the way. Absolutely. You, know? you don't need to do everything yourself, but it's it's necessary to have that sense of uh, belongingness and uh, gratitude, as you said. Mm -hmm. Honoring each other, respecting each other, mm -hmm. respecting traditions. That's necessary. Yeah. Yeah. Peace is something that you are creating a movement to stand for peace. 
and understanding a bit of it, it's about creating peace within yourself, a field of peace within the self. See, after two years of pandemic on top of this war and then all this uh, inflation, there is a sense of uh, despondency in people. I feel so hopeless. You know, when you feel so hopeless, you start going down the hill. You know, you feel more depressed, more depressed. I wanted to stir people's energy up and then make them realize, yeah, we can do something. If we put all of our intention in one line, I stand for peace. Mm. Of course, we all stand for peace, we all know. But when we invoke that uh, conviction from within us, we will we can get over our sense of hopelessness, our helplessness. Mm. So, and collective intention from so many of us will definitely have an impact on the world consciousness. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So that's the reason I'm now touring U.S., mm -hmm. <laughs> going from city to city and having everyone sit down and stand up for peace. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> sit down and sit down and go within and <laughs> meditate, and then you stand up for peace. Yeah, yeah, stand for something that's important. Another interesting question that I have is there are many gods and goddesses represented in Indian culture. When you connect with one of those gods or goddesses, it seems like there's it's it's more of an it's an energy. It's an energy that's represented by a form. Correct. And so if, if somebody wants to go and interact with that energy of Shiva or Kali or Vishnu or Krishna, or what is, what is the way that you recommend that people try to connect with that energy to feel what it is? You know, um, like the white light has all different colors, right? So... You choose to pick one color, red, yellow, blue, green, orange, whatever, and violet. But they all ultimately reach only the mm -hmm. one light. Mm -hmm. So that's what in, in, in India it said, Ekam Satvipra, only one truth, one divinity, but man manifested in many forms. Mm -hmm. So it's same wheat, you make pasta out of it, you make samosa out of it, you make bread out of it, <laughs> yeah. you make bagel, you make a muffin out of it. I'm getting hungry with all of your analogies <laughs> of food. Is it is it lunchtime? <laughs> <laughs> so, like that, you know, in the varieties, so in one, any one form of uh, divinity you take, these are devas, you take, and then you see all the other devas are also part of that. Mm -hmm. You take Devi and Shiva is part of Devi, Vishnu, Ganpati. Everybody, uh, every other divine are associated with that one. Mm. So, it is your choice. That's why it's called Ishta Deva. Ishta Deva, your choice, choice of uh, worship. Mm. So, if you like Shiva, fine, that's your Ishta, your, your liking, mm -hmm. you know. And form of Shiva also you can choose. You want to, you like dance, then you see the dancing Shiva. Mm -hmm. 
Mm-hmm. You want to see the meditating Shiva, then there is meditating Shiva. <laughs> so similarly, if you are a um, lover of Mother Divine, then she has many forms. Mm-hmm. Very gentle form in the form of music and the the goddess of music you know she sits on a stone or a white lotus is this saraswati saraswati and she has three things one is a rosary and a book and an instrument veena so that is sound music book logic and then meditation the rosary <laughs> These three things together make Saraswati. Mm-hmm. So like that, you know, it's both symbolic, also energy level, both. The best way is chanting, listening to those chanting and sitting and meditating. Mm. And different chantings have those specific definite vibrations, I tell you. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and it changes your changes your consciousness. Yeah, it, it brings a different flavor in your consciousness. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Like you go to an ice cream parlor and there is all different flavors, you know, strawberry and this and that. And mm-hmm. Like that, they are all different flavors in the consciousness. Right. And we're almost finished here. And you've, if you talk one more time about food, I'm just going to walk out and go to lunch. <laughs> <laughs> I think that's the idea. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> You're steering us gently towards towards lunch here. Absolutely. Right, so I'll, you I'll got let... it. You're right. <laughs> so I'll let this be the final question is there's something of a paradox that I believe has been taught, which is Atman is Brahman, Brahman is Atman. The Godhead within is the same as the Godhead without. And that's sometimes difficult to understand how that could be possible. How is my God that's within me the same as this whole world universe God? Tell you a simple thing. Are you breathing? You have air inside of you? Do you see this is my air? Can you hold on to it? <laughs> yeah. The air which you have, you are ex- excelling. That air goes all around the world, my dear. Mm. You can't div- the subtle you go, you can't create division. You mm. can create division in the body, or oh, that body is here, this body is here. But you go a little subtler in the breath level. Can you say, This is my air, I'm just <laughs> going to hold on to myself? <laughs> no, the air that gets into your lung goes all over the world. The sun that is there is shared by everybody. Though same sun comes into your window, 100%, right? When you see a sun ray coming into your window, Mm -hmm. it's not just half or one part of it. You find the whole sun. Mm -hmm. The total sun is in every ray. Mm. In the same way, the air around us, you can't divide. You go subtler the space. You cannot say, this is my space. Hmm. You move from this room to next room, the space has changed. Hmm. And yet it is not changed. Hmm. So, Atman is the individual impressions. The, the, the air in a balloon is the same air that is outside the balloon. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, we're the balloon. <laughs> And the air, yeah. And so you must see um, beyond the the cover of the balloon. Mm. And if you identify more with the air inside, you say, "Yeah, 
It is the same air outside and inside. Mm -hmm. It's the same space which is inside the pot and outside the pot. Mm -hmm. So it, it all comes to that oneness. Atoms, whether it is an atom from wood or brick or a metal or water or our body, it's all same. You know, here physics help will help in uh, understanding Vedanta very well. Hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Says, the table is not the chair and chair is not the door on one level. They're all different. But on another level, it's all wood. Mm. So in that sense, it is one. And it's all light, ultimately, as well. Another way to look at it. Huh. Well, this conversation has been spectacular, not just for the words, but for the energy. You know, Thank you for holding the wisdom and the embodiment of that wisdom. It's a very special thing, and I feel very honored to have had this conversation and to be able to share it. So thank welcome, you for my Welcome, heart. nice. Yeah, nice, let's you. go have some lunch. <laughs> thank you, everybody. Thank you. Thanks for tuning into this episode, everyone. As you may have heard on my last podcast with Charles Eisenstein, we are transitioning Fit for Service into a donation-based model. There are a lot of challenges with flipping the tables on the economics of how things have been. We're still figuring all of that out. But thank you for being a part of this journey as we sort out how to lead business and economics into this new world that we're all building together. I love you guys very much. Thanks for all your support. Thanks for tuning in, the likes, the comments, the shares. It all means a lot. I'll see you next week.